House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and it's another a beautiful day somewhere in the world, just not here. Um, I'm Al Warren, <laughs> and of course Eric Shapiro, the, the doctor, is on the show. Hey! Good to be with you. How you doing? That's good. Now, listen. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been watching uh, a lot on TV, and I see that you. Um, so, what's this? You've got Jewish laser beams, and you've been starting the fires in California. Oh yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All the conspiracy theories, I would bank on them a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, always. If you're if you're looking for a scapegoat, you know, don't hesitate. Well, I was just wondering uh, how <laughs> you got away with it for so long. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no, I think it's good for you to call me out because it's you know well, yeah. you've dealt with uh, serial <laughs> serial killers before, so now it's a relief to me that I don't have to ever do it again. Yeah, this I was is going to do it tonight. Yeah, this is like um, uh, Jew hunter. Yeah, yeah. The worst. <laughs> the worst part of it was with these recent ones. The thing, the new normal. The thing to say was, um, oh, there is no fire season anymore in California. Fire, fire season's now year-round, so it's, uh, mm. especially me having two little kids, that was very unnerving. We're actually thinking of getting out of here. Well, why are you causing so many fires with your laser beam? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the this deal? Is, uh, now, I was going, you know, I've co-hosted now like 10 times, and this is the sort of content I signed on for, the, yeah. the <laughs> paranoia. I was like, when is he going to go full-blown tinfoil on his head with me? Well. Um, yeah, if only, if, you know, if I ever had... You know, the, the whole concept of Jewish laser beams is a contradiction in terms. Because for me, anyway, I'm so clumsy. If I had a laser beam, I would, like, I would kill myself immediately. Well, yeah. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I can't believe that's in the government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially with the... <laughs> right? Especially with the Biden administration. You know, we'd think things would normalize someone. Yeah, th th she actually yeah. gets voted in, and she's thinking, I mean, holy cow. That's, like, really bad yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's it's insane out here. You're safer up there. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm yeah. not going anywhere. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, we we have fires too, but it's not the Jewish laser beams up here. It's uh, French, yeah, yeah. French Canadian. Yeah, Canadians have fires in the fireplace. We yeah, have the, the whole lot. We, we have a hundred thousand acres burning down. Yeah, no, no, it's the same thing up here. We have the same burning. You, you get hit with that stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, uh, my, just as bad. Just. Uh, uh, we don't. Yeah, you we're Americans it. are so narcissistic and self-absorbed that news never reaches us. We just presume what's happening right here is what's happening. It's all about you. Yeah, it's all about us. Well, anyway, speaking of that, yeah. speaking of Jewish laser beams <laughs> and fires, we've got. Um, I guess you'd call him a horror author, and not whore, horror. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mark Allen Gunnels is on the line. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Well, let's see if you say that at the end of the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got a new book out now, you, you, so you want to scare people even more. Um, the book is called To Be, and I, that's after, uh, that's an address, by the way. Uh, when your ex wants you dead, they will take you to the grave with them. Okay? Um Okay, then. So, um, very cheery <laughs> title. Um, what made you come up with this book? Um, I got the idea for this book like 20 years ago, and it, it took me two decades to write it. Um, but um, 
in my in my younger years, I lived in many a small crappy apartment, and um, really the genesis of the idea came from coming home late one night after dark and the light in the little breezeway of the apartment complex was flickering and buzzing and it seemed like such a quintessential horror thing that I thought it's always houses that are haunted they're never apartments that are haunted so I got this idea for a haunted apartment novel Oh, oh nice. So, so did you uh, were you just breaking up with an ex at the time too or <laughs> uh, well in my past, I have had some some pretty horrific exes. So uh, let's just say I drew from some of that experience when I was uh, formulating this story idea. So you had, you, did you have exes that stalked you? Uh, I wouldn't say stalked, but I had some exes that it was hard to get rid of. Oh, I see. Not, not as hard as the one in the book. Okay. But, but... There were some people who just didn't want to go. Wow. So it's, so what's the concept of the book is really about, is it kind of like a um, a stalker book, or is it even, is there another angle to it? Well, I mean, when the story starts, the stalker ex-boyfriend is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The main character starts to think that death was not enough to stop him from stalking. So it's it's full of, you know, ghost story haunting goodness with that sort of relationship drama thrown into it as well. Wow. So, so you've got a lot of paranormal in this. Yeah, I really, I love ghost stories and I love stories of haunting. So I, I threw a a bunch of the stuff I love about that into the mix while, you know, trying to make it my own at the same time. Are you a believer in the paranormal? Or are you more agnostic or skeptical? I'm I'm a bit of a scully, which I know a lot of young people might not get that textiles reference, but I'm a, I'm a little on the skeptical side, mm-hmm. but I'm an open-minded skeptic. I I'm fascinated by those stories, and I love to, and I've met people who say they've had real experiences, and I can find their stories compelling, but not having experienced anything myself, I can't really say I believe, but um, I'm I'm a little skeptical, but I am fascinated. Mm, Nice, okay. Yeah, that's funny, because I, I, some people too young to know Scully, I'm too old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm technically I'm, the, the correct demographic, but I never was into the show. But I, I, I knew what you meant when you said it. Yeah. I know from reruns. Okay, how's that? Yeah. The old, well, that's I'm what, of the perfect age to remember when that was like a cultural phenomenon going yeah. on. Yeah, it was like the early '90s, right? Yeah, uh, I was busy hanging out with Courtney Love. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In Seattle, you know, everyone was yeah. doing heroin, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember it's hard to remember anything after that. <laughs> well, so uh, this is this is pretty interesting. So now you um so where do you get your paranormal stories from? Like where do you draw from? Well, I mean, some of it is just the long tradition of those stories. I sort of pick what I like from those stories. 
discard what doesn't work for me. I also happen to know some folks. I'm good friends with a um, a guy who does paranormal investigations in Savannah, Georgia, has his own company, um, does ghost tours. He's written several books about the investigations his team have done. And um, he tells me a lot of stories about, you know, things that he's experienced. And I, I sort of used him as some research and uh and you know i like i said for, i'm fascinated by these stories so i do like to meet people and talk to them people who say they've had these things happen to them and like i, I draw from all that and then i sort of i also just sort of make some of it up and in this story in particular like i made some of my own rules about how ghosts and hauntings work um because you know that's the good thing about being a writer like you can just be the god and in this fictional world this is how it works mm. pretty interesting so now do, do, does your um with your books do you get into the um psychological horror or is it a little bit more graphic and a little bit more um slash um that it really depends on the book I mean, I've written books that are specifically meant to be, like, homages to the slasher films I grew up on in the 80s. And those tend to be a little bit more gory and violent. Particularly with my ghost story stuff, I like to be a little more on the atmospheric and the psychological side. And with 2B, I really, I mean, not to make it sound like more than it is, because it is just a fun ghost story, but... In some ways, I'm also talking about, you know, trauma and how we deal with trauma and how people react to people who've gone through trauma. So I, I feel like I really got more to the psychological aspect in this one. Hmm. Well, where do you draw from? Like, what kind of horror do you, do you consider good? Uh, like, that you really... Um you really get into like is it kind of an Alfred Hitchcock style or do you or maybe maybe talk to that well I've often said probably my greatest influence as a storyteller is the original Twilight Zone I grew up in a time when those reruns were all over TV and then they did the 80s revival incarnation which I also watched a lot of but in a lot of ways that informed my idea of horror, I particularly enjoyed. I mean, it was a, it wasn't like some gothic castle usually, or some, you know, setting I couldn't relate to. It was a world I recognized, but things were just slightly off kilter. And, and I, that's what I like. And I, as I got older, I got into the works of Stephen King, and I felt felt like that was what he did. He introduced a world that was familiar to me. It was like my street. It was like my town. But then you just insert that one element that's a little off, and that's where the horror comes from, the invading of the world you know with this otherworldly presence. So it sort of sounds like 2020, but, um, geez. <laughs> no, you're talking... 
You're talking about the year. You're not talking about the show with uh, Barbara Walters and John Stockton. <laughs> That's where my mind went. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara um, Walla. <laughs> Barbara Walla. <laughs> um, well, so, Mark, do you like... Uh, what is the, the main emotion you go after with your horror? I know you said you've done different kinds, but is it more uh, suspense-oriented? Is it more about, like, you said you love ghost stories, so is it more about being chilling and under the skin? I, I feel like I probably more often do go for the more subtle horror. I, okay. I feel like that saying that some people, you know, that's not what they're really into, but I like the horror that kind of creeps up on you that's a little more insidious, not necessarily so in your face, but the kind that kind of gets under your skin and keeps you thinking about it after you've closed the book. Um, yeah. I like to sort of sneak up on the reader. How long is this book? How many words is it, the new one? Now, um, 2B is is pretty short. It's around between 35 and 40. Okay, so do you, do you consider it a novella, or are you, is it, uh, it creeps right up on the length of a short novel? It's sort, it's right on that cusp. It's probably really more of a novella, but I've noticed some publishers don't like that word. So, yeah, that's a tricky one, Yeah, because yeah. I think the buyer so, wants to feel like they're getting more value. Uh, so it's, it, it's being marketed as a short novel, because it is sort of right on that cusp of being too long to be considered a novella. But it's also the link the publisher was looking for. It's a it's a new publisher. He wanted to start out with some stuff that was a little shorter, you know, just some quick reads for people to get familiar with his brand. What's the name of the publisher? Uh, it's Valhalla Books. Oh, okay. And um, this is their first. They published an anthology um, last year, and this is their first single author book. Published. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, that's, so that's an honor. Uh, I was pretty thrilled when he, yeah, I was in that anthology, and then he he came to me and asked me if I had any ideas for a short novel. And um, I pitched him a few ideas. This actually was not the one he responded to the most strongly. But, okay. like I said, it's an idea I've had for so long. Just bringing it up kind of made me think, like, maybe now's the time. So um, mm -hmm. I wrote it in about two months for him, and we were off and running. Oh wow! So it could be the house that uh, Gunnels built. It could be like he's uh, he's uh, betting on your talent, which is really nice. So hopefully, it won't be the house that Martin demolished. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, don't, you just take all the credit and none of the blame. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So you know when you when you do this, like, so how did you find your characters? So you got uh, uh, what is it? It's, it, it's Berkeley. Um, woke up yeah. to find himself in the hospital uh, and he discovered his ex was dead after a failed murder attempt, murder-suicide attempt. Um, so that's that's a pretty intense thing. So you got a couple where you're, you're saying that the one uh, tried to kill the spouse and then himself or herself. Um, where, where does that come from for you personally? Um... I always had the general idea, but the characters themselves really developed as I started writing. Um, I don't know, it's this weird thing that I don't know how to explain, but sometimes when I start writing, I know some general information about a character, but it's really when I get them moving and start putting them in situations that 
I sort of discover their personalities, which helps inform the rest of the book because when I really get a firm grip on their personalities, then it's like, okay, so they're not going to do this at this point, so the story needs to take a different direction. But um, these characters in particular, I had a lot of fun with just discovering them as I wrote them. There were was one character named Zane that I didn't even expect to be in the book much, but really took on a much more prominent role. And I don't know, that's part of the fun for me is really digging in. And I don't do like a lot of detailed character outlines before I start. Like I said, I get a general idea, a premise. I start, and that's when it all starts to happen in the writing itself. Wow. But that's, that does cover a lot of emotion when you're talking murder-suicide, right? Yeah. And it did, it did... I mean, I think the reason I didn't write it 20 years ago is I don't think I was ready or equipped to really work with that those intense emotions yet. Um, because, you know, obviously when you start off with something like that, it ends up going in a very dark direction. And, um, I mean, the weird thing is, as dark as it was, I still was having a, a lot of fun. But um, <laughs> but those, those are very intense emotions, and I feel like I had to be a little more mature, if you could call me mature, to, um, mm-hmm. to really deal with them in an effective way. Yeah, I think you have to be of a certain age to understand it more. Um, so that's that's pretty in, intense of a subject. So, um, it, it, is that kind of an underlying theme or important um, after someone reads the book? Are they going to walk away thinking about that? Well, I hope so because, like I said, I, I felt like in some ways I was I was sort of talking almost in a metaphorical way just about trauma that people experience in their lives and how we deal with it, how we try to get over it. And particularly, um, I feel like when you've suffered something, some great tragedy in your life, sometimes the people around you get a little tired of it. Almost like they're they're just ready for you to get over it and get back to being who you were before the event, mm-hmm. and which can actually make it even harder for you to really deal with it so I was I guess I want the reader to somewhere in the back of their mind you know be left thinking about that yeah I think there's a certain point when with something like that it's going to change that person period so the survivor of something like that like in this case um, uh, Berkeley he'll never go back to normal you know I think they have to realize that that it's it's changed that that old person is gone really yeah exactly and even when i when i deliver the manuscript to the publisher some of his early notes he was commenting on you know some of berkeley's behavior isn't always that likable and i'm like well mm-hmm. you have to put yourself in his shoes and what he's been through he's dealing with a lot he's not always going to act the way people want him to I don't think that makes him unsympathetic. I think you can still empathize with him. But, you know, he's you're not going to go through something like that and then just go back to everyday life like nothing happened. 
No, not unless you were the one doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so if you had more of of a, do you think you'll ever go back to this kind of this story or this this kind of story when you have um, a fuller book to write, like more more where you're not limited? Um. Well, in some ways, I don't because I always feel like every story is as long as it needs to be. I always knew this story was going to be more novellish length, so I don't feel like I cheated anything out of it. I feel like it it had everything in it it needed to have. But that being said, I do still... Like, I have another version of a haunted house story in my head that I want to write that I would I think I would call imposter syndrome. And it would it would be a bigger story, and it wouldn't deal exactly with the same types of issues as 2B, but it would deal with some, I want to deal with insecurity and not feeling good enough and, you know, the doubts that a lot of us feel when we're pursuing our dream. And I do think that will be a larger canvas when I get around to writing that one. Hopefully it won't be 20 years like this. <laughs> yeah, because then you'd, you'd be old like me. No, I think that, uh, and I didn't mean cheat. I just meant that because sometimes when you write something like this, you know, you're doing a certain size book and you're writing a, a story, but sometimes, as you say, as the characters develop, you get more into the story, more in-depth into what they are doing and how they act and react to the situation and to each other. So sometimes you learn um, new emotions or new ideas from that. And it's it's just, I, I, I meant more develop it, go go even further. Yeah. I, like, I, I definitely want to continue with some of these ideas. I have other stories I want to write first, but that other idea is definitely in my head as something I want to get to. Of course, I have... It, you know, jostling for position with a ton of other ideas I want to get to. And that's, that's my biggest problem is figuring out like which one is screaming at me the loudest to be written. Hmm. When you say this one to be took 20 years. Um, so that's obviously from inception to completion. Throughout that time where there are different points where like certain forms of awareness would come to you about it or what it wanted to be and oh we could go in this direction or was it more that the kernel of the idea had been there for a couple decades and when you had an opportunity uh, to execute with this publisher you were able to jump on it when I first got the idea 20 years ago it was it was fairly fully formed like I definitely knew the beginning and I definitely knew the ending because the ending really was the driving force of the idea some of the middle stuff was kind of vague, but I felt like I I pretty much had it, but for whatever reason, I didn't feel ready to tell it. And then about 10 years ago, I did make an attempt. I did about a chapter and a half, and I just was mm-hmm. not happy with it. I loved the idea so much, and I'm like, I'm not doing it justice. So, And when I finally did write it, I didn't use any of that stuff that I had, had written, but... I don't know. I, I, it's almost like the time was right. When I mentioned the idea to him, it all kind of came flooding back to me, and I got excited. And I will say there were aspects of it when I was writing that I didn't envision 
when I first had the idea, and that was more in that, that middle part that was always kind of vague to me. But I stayed pretty true to that original idea I had 20 years ago. I just feel like I had to mentally be ready to tell that story, and it, it, that's just how t- long it took. Mm, yeah. Yeah, everything, everything uh, requires the right timing. Yeah. So, so has this got a happy ending to it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't tell you anything, but I always say a happy ending depends on whose point of view you're looking at it from. Wow. Okay. Even well, the most tragic mm-hmm. ending might be a happy ending to somebody in the story. Uh, I'm getting an ominous feeling thinking about that. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> we have to read it and find out. Well, I want does he get to have sex with a ghost? <laughs> Al, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking well, about that lady that uh, married a ghost, and then now she's divorcing the ghost because they just don't get along <laughs> in England. You know, it's a true story. I'm not. <laughs> well, I wonder if it's easier or harder to divorce divorce a ghost. I mean, they've already proven they're going to stick around. Right, right. <laughs> so, in, in essence, you're in this story. You're really kind of saying that um, this um, this this desire, this um, need to uh, stalk someone or to to hold on to you, know, like no one else is going to love you, so um, they'll kill you, so no one else can have you. That kind of thing yeah. is going on. It's reaching out the emotion strong enough to keep this 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 person after death to uh, hold on to this other person. Well, I mean, and I feel like when you've been in relationships like that, where it's almost like you just can't, like you you feel like you're entangled with someone and you can't get untangled. I think it feels like that. You feel like, you know, there's, I can't get away from this person. And no matter what, even death might not be able to stop them. But, mm-hmm. you know, I also think the story, you know, is going to provide some surprises and some unexpected turns for people um, because it's not always just like with relationships and love. It's not always what it seems. So I think there'll, there, there's some surprises in there for readers as well. Mm, nice. So, so you never had you. So you shot this out in a couple of months. So you must have done this just in the last year, in in 2020. Um, so, so 2020 didn't bother you, or it didn't affect the way you were writing, or it didn't didn't change anything for you. Um, in a weird way, it 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 helped my writing. Because in the early spring of last year, I got furloughed for work from work for a couple of months, and I was full of anxiety, like the rest of the world. And I thought I've got to do something so it doesn't drive me crazy. So while I'm furloughed from work, I'm just going to pretend I'm a full-time writer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to act like that is my job. I wrote. I'm going to write every day. I'm going to write as much as in. And in that two-month period, I wrote a novella um, that I sold to a publisher that will be out next year. But when I did go back to my day job, I carried that momentum with me so that, you know, every morning I get up, I come in here, I write, 
and I've I've been very productive ever since that you know I was somewhat productive before that but I some days I would half-ass it some days I would skip it but since I got furloughed from work I have been very consistent in my commitment to writing every day and treating it like you know even now that I'm back at work I'm still treating it like I'm a full-time writer so it's actually really helped my input my output so so uh we need another uh another um virus to make it yeah <laughs> well, I, w- I wouldn't wish that on the world but you know like i said for me it was just trying to keep myself from getting so full of anxiety that i just drove myself crazy i needed that outlet to sort of pour my anxiety into so in that ways it was sort of therapeutic for me and that that was sort of help in writing this type of subject, do you think? Like when you have that much anxiety and you got all the stress going on around you and you're worried about stuff, it must go into your writing then with this subject. It it, it was somewhat cathartic in a in a weird way. Like I can I could channel you know whatever negative dark emotions I had into the story. And it didn't, like, completely alleviate them, but it gave it an outlet that helped, you know, lessen it so that I wasn't so anxiety-ridden, um, especially, like I said, during those months when I was out of work and wasn't sure when I would be going back. Yeah, that's, cr- that's crazy. Um, so what do you got planned next? What, what, what are you going to be working on now, or are you, are you taking time off from it? Um, I never take time off of it, I guess, because to me, it it doesn't feel like something I need to take time off of, but I do have later this year, I'll have another book with Crystal Lake publishing a suspense novel called Before He Wakes. And I'm currently finishing a new novel, which is one of the rare non-horror novels that I write. Um, I, I got inspired when I did to be because I had had that idea for so long there was a novel idea that had been rattling around in my head since I was in college that I decided I was finally going to write. Um, I, I call it my more explicitly LGBT take on Rebel Without a Cause. Hmm. Uh, so it's more uh, literary. Well, I hope my horror is as literary as the other <laughs> stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm saying uh, yeah. in terms of, uh, yeah. not in terms of quality, in terms of genre classification. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely sort of, it's weird that I I think of it as non-genre, although nothing is without the genre, but it's not like horror or suspense, although there are some suspenseful moments, but it is more of a a drama story. And Mm -hmm. um, I do those on occasion, and like I said, this one, I just thought, you know, why don't I finally get to that? It was an idea I'd had so long that I never thought I would really write it, and actually wrote it into one of my novels as a movie someone was making so anybody who read that book might recognize it as a movie in in there oh nice it sounds like you're pretty productive i mean it sounds like listening to you talk about your projects that there is an element of you you have good discipline when it comes to sitting down and getting it done like you're not i know you said that um to be took 20 years all in all but it sounds like uh you're one of those writers who has the confidence to have a few things going on at once or juggling different ideas and then you know if you commit yourself to it, you'll get to the end. 
Yeah, and, you know, somebody actually at work today was just mentioning, you know, the different projects I have finished since I've been there. But I'm like, you know, I just do it every day. I get up, I do the work, and yeah. I, it's fun for me. Like, I look forward to, like, getting in here to the keyboard and seeing what happens next. So yeah, I, I feel like I get to the end because I'm just dying to to get there. I'm just oh, that's in good. a way so I'm telling have... myself the story. Yeah, and that usually I found with uh, the process that that helps it to be more suspenseful on the other end. Because if you're if you're feeling that it's gonna there's gonna be a contact high for the reader that you know you've wired it together in this way with anticipation. Yeah, that's my hope because I feel as a reader I can tell when a writer was really excited about the story, and it's somewhat infectious to me as the reader. Like I'm infected by the excitement the writer has for the story. Right, right. Um, what is your daily? So, what is your daily discipline? Um, do you have a daily word target you try and stick to? I don't usually do word counts or page numbers, just because I'm the kind of person that if I put too much pressure on myself, mm -hmm. it cripples me in a way. Okay, yeah. Like my my discipline is I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to come in here and write. Some days it may be several pages. Some days it may be a page. I'm what not about it? Myself up about that. What about in terms of the time? Are you generally in there for the same amount of time each day, regardless of page output, or does that vary too? Typically, I'm in here for the same amount of time. Sometimes with the day job, because I I work in the um, in a bookstore at a local university. Okay. So, like when the new semester starts, my hours increase. So then I usually have less time. Typically, I have a good two-hour chunk that I can sit in here. During those new semesters, I might just have half an hour to 45 minutes. But typically, I have it the same two hours every morning that I can sit in here and work. Oh, that's great. Okay. And do you feel um, during that period, I'm, I'm going to guess the answer is yes, but I want to hear your answer. Because you said you have this excitement and anticipation to see where the story is going. And there's the joy of creation. I want to get back to it. And you know, go back into that world. Do you feel emotional when you're doing the writing? Are you are you communicating in a way that's primarily emotional through your work? Yeah, I, I really think I, I am because it is all caught up in my emotions. And I can usually tell if the story is going off the rails if I'm not feeling that emotion. Yeah, you'd be if I'm, coming through cerebral. If I'm not feeling what I hope the reader is going to feel, then... I'm like, okay, something's wrong. I need to rework this. I need to just go back, get out of my own head, and try to get back in touch with the emotional aspect of the of the scene. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow, pretty interesting process. Um, okay, now, so you have a website, right? Or I have a I have a blog, markgunnels.livejournal.com. Um, I didn't use to update it that much, but I'm much better at it now. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff we writers have to do now to promote ourselves. Um, I, but not to, I've resisted the TikTok because it just seems like a lot of young people dancing lackadaisically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eric does that all the time. Tough to get him yeah, off. Yeah, that's, yeah, I can't get him. That's all I can think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been pretty, it's, it's a good conversation as always. Um, glad you came in and told us about your new book or new novella coming out. It's called 2B. Um, our guest has been Mark Allen Dennels. 
Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for having me and letting me babble. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.